Joining us today is the one and only Azalea Norjana, a Petronas scholar at College of St. Yuyen. Today, she shared her battles with the bullies in primary school and her rocky journey with Lyme disease, coupled with the excruciating crave for validation. In this episode, she shares her perspective about failure, overcoming external validation, and adapting to a growth mindset. Hi, and welcome to the first episode of Unfiltered Undergrads. I'm Nasra Alana. I'm Sarah Safia. And today's episode, our very first guest is the one and only Azalia! So, can you please do the honors of introducing yourself? Uh, hi, I'm Azalia. I'm an A-level student in KYEM. And I am 18. And I used to live in Australia for five years before I moved to Malaysia. And uh, now I'm here. So let's start off with the first question. Okay, so what event in your childhood that you believe shaped you into the person you are today? As I previously mentioned, I used to live in Australia for five years. So being there, I developed quite a thick accent actually, and I didn't know like an ounce of Malay at all. Like I knew Mandi, Susu, but that was about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so random. <laughs> this is all what I said. Like. I was like, mom, not mandi, mom, susu, please, and stuff like that. And then I came to Malaysia, and this was in primary, but um, yeah, people were just not... I went to a school like Kabangsaan first, and the people there were just not used to having someone who couldn't speak any Malay. Like, the English was just so like, hello, right? You know, it was like so bad. So I actually got bullied there, and um, at first it was just fine, just people just saying things, and... I didn't understand them, so it wasn't a problem for me until it got to a point where people would start coming up to me and then um, like stamping on my feet, you know, so I would like react. And uh, the last of it was when a girl came up to me with a wooden chair and just boom, hit my leg and started bleeding and I started crying and obviously I didn't know how to express myself to my teacher. So yeah, I just went home crying and then a couple of days later, my mom came to the school to complain. And then she was like, oh, how is this allowed? And then the teacher was like, oh, biasa lah tu, you know. Like, kanak-kanak kan, you know. And just, yeah. So she got mad and then ended up pulling me out and having to go through the trouble of paying to get me into a private school. So I was in that school, APSS, for all my life. Like, ever since then, all the way until Form 5. I got bullied as well. But that one, I think it was just because I couldn't fit into the mold of what people wanted me to be. I was just a little bit too weird for some people, you know, as you might know. <laughs> I love your weirdness. But yeah, and then back then, I was weird, but I tried to make myself less weird for people. And it just got into this, like, weird... I had this weird relationship with people where I desperately needed their validation so bad. Until it got to a point where I forgot what happened, but just everything switched and nobody wanted to be friends with me. So ever since then, I just sort of cut myself off for a tiny period of time. And then when I came back to like socialization, I and just be myself, don't seek validation from other people and don't necessarily seek out friends. Because if I am myself, then the people who are good for me will follow. Yeah. So I think that's really shaped me into who I am today. <laughs> Such an inspirational story, bro. Thank you. Yeah. I feel like the first time I saw you in KY here, I was like, 
oh, this person is so smart. She doesn't even care what other people think about True. her. True. I think you're like one of the nicest people that I've ever met in Korea. Yeah. Like very genuine. Yeah. Genuine. Kidding. <laughs> True. I'm not lying. <laughs> Based on what you said, you said like you stopped wanting validation from people, right? And then for some, I think it's like a constant battle. For a lot of people, they still want validation yeah. up until now. It's like it's not something that you can just switch automatically for yeah. some. So what advice? I mean, like what what was the step that you t- took to overcome that wanting for validation? Um. I mean, even up to now, a tiny part of me still wants validation. But for me, it was like sort of trial and error. I didn't really know how good not wanting validation could feel until I actually did it. Until I actually stopped like going up to people and not being myself and stuff like that. And I think what really helped me is having a new start, you know, like as much it's hard to say like, oh, I just want a new start. But going to, for example, a new place or maybe even just changing something about yourself that's like easily changeable, you know, like your style. It can give you like a boost of confidence to make you feel like, yes, I can change something else about myself, like my need for validation without making it weird for other people, you know, because maybe they'll look at you and be like, oh, she's just going through a self-improvement process. Yeah, that's my advice. I don't think it's, um, take, take it with a grain of salt lah. Yeah. Oh, that's so relatable. And I feel like deep down inside, I'm such a people pleaser, mm-hmm. and it's so hard to stop that habit. But to you said like we we have to like try to change like to overcome that one for validation. We have to try something new to change. Is that what you meant? Like kind of. I mean, for me, it wasn't really something that I purposely did you know not really i was forced into it like (laughs) i mean i lost all my friends that was already a new thing people were moving and um yeah i don't know just the overall change in environment just sparked something in me to change something and make life a bit easier for myself yeah so the environment was what caused you to like suddenly realize that not wanting validation was the yeah i think part of it like i'm saying it as if it's so easy but this actually took a really long time especially because i was in that school for almost all of my life so that change in environment is really hard to find but yeah it'll eventually come i guess that's another story oh my god this is this is tea this is awesome okay basically um something that you know how I say seek validation from people as if like mo- mostly most of the time we think of like peers and friends and stuff like that, right? Oh, I got a story for you. If you seek from validation from teachers and older people, that's a huge thing that I've overcome as well. And I'm actually really proud of that because I had to go through hell and back for it to happen. But um, yeah, there's a point in my life where I just really wanted all of my teachers to love me and you know I feel like that's something yeah. we can all relate to and like I want all my friends parents to love me and everything and I just wanted every adult to see me as wow she's so mature you know okay like you told us a lot about your past challenges right so currently what do you believe is like one of your biggest biggest challenges 
that I've already overcome or currently? Yeah, that you're currently like trying to overcome. Yeah. Um, currently I'm trying to overcome like finding a balance between studying and resting. If like you know that feeling when you're done with school, but you have like you feel like you want to do something, but at the same time you're so mentally tired. But when you want to rest, you're busy thinking about the work, so you're not properly resting. And you end up like mindlessly scrolling, thinking about the work. Or when you're doing work, you're just too tired and you can't put yourself 100% through it. I struggle with that a lot. So I'm trying to overcome that. But yeah. can, you, can you share about the challenge about your medical? Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> is, that, is, is that how we're segmenting into it? <laughs> we don't have to. We oh. already know about you. Okay. All right. Um, basically, when I was in Form 3, it's a really funny story actually. It's not that funny actually. It's just funny for me because I went through it, but for other people it might sound traumatic. But um, <laughs> I actually, this was during a phase where I was really overworking myself. I had a lot of exams around that period. I was part of a play. I did a lot of acting when I was in secondary school. So I acted in this play, Greatest Showman. I acted oh, as the... Wow. And we live and then we write that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, after that, I went for a leadership camp with uh, other prefects in my school. I was a prefect as well. And we went to Kuala Kumupar, which is actually really nearby. Um, <laughs> and then over there, what I, it, was, it went fine. But what I didn't know was that over there, I got bitten by a tick. And this tick, was a really rare thing. Somehow, some God knows who came from America or somewhere, brought this tick into Malaysia, and it just so happened to have to bite me. Out of all people, it had to bite me. And this tick just so happened to have Lyme disease and a bunch of other things. Um, actually, no, it didn't. It just had Lyme disease. But when it bit me, I was already in such an overworked state that it caused um, anemia, uh, I had typhoid from food poisoning as well, Ty typhoid typhus, uh, Lyme disease, and uh, severe migraines, things like that. And it just all came in all in one shot. And I was completely bedridden for so long, like bedridden for almost a month. And then like I was just getting up with my dad carrying me, carrying me up the stairs. Or if I went to school, which would maybe be like once a week, once every two weeks, I would have to wear sunglasses and I would look so acha, fluffy. It was just the fact that if I looked a bit at a light, then I would immediately get a migraine and want to faint. So, yeah. And then um, that just went on and on and on. And until P3 period. So I was, okay, I was an extremely high, like I put myself to high standards like all throughout my life. Like I was really wanting the best grades all the time. I really pride, took pride in my academics. And then when it came to this, suddenly it wasn't up to me anymore, you know? Like, I tried my hardest, but I still couldn't achieve what I put my standards up to. Started, my grades started dropping like, boom! And I was like, oh my god, I'm not good enough, you know? And then um, I really tried my best. Up to PT3, I was bedridden but still studying with the Sejarah book like that. And I was like doing so many things. And my mom sometimes pagyo ustad to see if there was like something in me to pull it out or something like that. There was nothing, by the way. But, <laughs> but yeah. 
and um ended up taking PT three, and I got six A's and three. There's nine subjects, right? Yeah, yeah. Six A's and three B's, which I now that I'm looking back, I think like wow. Whoa. That's amazing for someone who's like bedridden yeah. and doesn't go to school. I mean, honestly, even for like a regular person, I feel like that's pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah. But back then, I saw that. And of course, I played like a happy persona. And actually, for a really long time, I said I was happy with it. But I actually wasn't. I was like so, oh my god, you know? And then that, oh my god, period, <laughs> all throughout Form 4. And my grades just kept going down. I did not think it could go down that far. My first at maths exam, I was so planning I had to leave, and I got eight, eight out of hundred. <laughs> and then um, those super duper duper bad grades just lasted all throughout form four. And when I started getting better, that's when PKP PKP started. Oh, timing, man! Oh my god, the timing was so bad. Like I was slowly getting better. But now we were in this completely different situation where everyone is trying to adapt, and I'm trying to adapt to being able to function again. So, yeah, I mean, I did. No, that's a lie. I did not try my best during <laughs> because I was like playing games and stuff. I don't know. I feel like that period was really good for me socially, but then that was really bad, you know. And then, um. At the end of PKP, we came back, did our exams. You remember that? Yeah. And then I don't know if it was for you guys, but my grades were like so bad, you know. <laughs> and then form five happened. My grades were still bad, you know. I was at that point. I was already trying my best because that the SPM kind, and I was like, oh, okay, this is like the last thing to prove that I, I made it. You know. Like I got over my sickness, I got over my illness, and I can finally do what I put my standards up to. But my grades were just not seeing it, and it was so heartbreaking until trials, when I got like I forgot. I think I got three A's or something, which would be fine if the rest were still like for me. What I set my mind up to at the start of Form Five. I was aiming like, oh, I want straight A's, and then after that, as time went by, I was slowly lowering my standards because all my exams were so bad. And for trials, I did so bad. I got like three, two A's, and the rest were like B, C, D's, and a fail, I think, or two fails. I don't even remember. You know, I didn't even look at it properly. But after that, I kind of, I don't know, I just told myself that. If I had any chance to prove myself, then it would be now. You know, like I just needed to prove myself. And looking back at it, it's not really a healthy way to go about it. But I really just roar into the books. You know, like I lost myself honestly throughout that period. And I'm so glad for like supportive friends and everything. If not, that I would not have gotten through it. But yeah, I mean, I worked hard. I Tried my absolute best. I still tried to give myself breaks. I got really into video gaming during the PKP, so I still tried to keep into that so that I had some ounce of sanity, and it ended up well, alhamdulillah. Yeah, alhamdulillah. Can I ask some questions for like during your PKP period? You worked really, really hard, right? Mm -hmm. But then after you were 
work hard, you didn't get the result that you really wanted. Yeah. So like, I think for a lot of people, they work really hard, for, but then the outcome was like, didn't meet their expectations. So sometimes they become disappointed with themselves and they choose to give up or to some extent become depressed, right? Yeah. So like, how do you think people should go about accepting their failures. All right. Uh, I think a way to go about it is just accepting the fact that life is inherently unfair to everyone. No matter how hard you work, like some things just don't work out. And that's completely fine. I mean, I can totally like go- look back and blame all my failures on the tick. But at the end of the day, I know that I worked my best towards it. So if you work your best towards something and you really just give it your all and it still doesn't work out, then you just have to have faith that that is the path that is set for you. Like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala set that path for you. And um, if it's meant to happen, it will happen. And it will eventually lead you to greater things in the future because there's no way that he would purposely want to give you bad things, you know? If you're getting bad things now, it's so that you can get better things later. That's, yeah. I mean, like, thinking about it, if I didn't get sick back then, then I maybe wouldn't have had the motivation to do well my SPM, which maybe wouldn't have had given, given me the scholarship, alhamdulillah, or maybe I would not even be here. You know, it's just butterfly effect. Yeah. yeah. So, like, you just said, like, how your relationship is, like, with your past failures and all. So, what do you think, like, in the future, how would you react to your failures? I think, I mean, this is all just talking now. Like, I don't know how I'm actually going to react to it. But since I feel like I've already gone through a lot, I feel like I would have had more experience to go through it later. So if like anything happens, like I don't get the grades that I want or just something goes wrong, I just, like I said, just now just have faith. Yeah, it'll turn out fine. Another thing I like is like, you know, when you're doing exams and all these teachers always say, oh, you should aim for like three star, you know, <laughs> and like is the top most things for everything. But the way I like to go about it is I just tell myself, okay, I need to try my best. You know, I, I don't think about the result, which is might be counterproductive for some mm-hmm. people. So for me, I think, okay, I'm going to do my best up to this point. And then I do the exam and then I'm done. You know, whatever result I get, it's, it's my result. You know, it's what I worked for, it's what I get. Yeah. How about like, for example, people who have circumstances from like, let's say for people in KY, there's a lot of scholarships, like we're all scholars, like a lot of people are scholars here, right? Yeah. And then. We have this big burden that we have to like, carry, that we have to like fulfill that requirement, that 3A requirement. And there's a lot of like pressure from sponsor bodies, like sponsorship bodies, right? And then like for a lot of people, it's like something that they have to fulfill because if not, then someone's gonna take away that financial aid and they're gone. Yeah. So like, how would someone like take that responsibility but have a balance of trusting the plan of I think, I mean, the moment we got that scholarship 
we immediately knew that it's like going to be something that's held against us, like some sort of responsibility that we have to help hold the whole time. But I think that like if we just try our best, it'll work out. But if let's say we don't get the results that we want, then what can we do, right? I mean, at the end of the day, things are always going to work out if you have the mindset for it. Like, financial aid and stuff like that is such a huge help. And being without it would be so detrimental to a lot of people. But just have to find our way around it, you know? But that is something to think about when you're there, you know? <laughs> you don't think about that now. <laughs> yeah. Like, all you have to do now is, like, try your try best. best. So right now, what do you think is like your goal right now in your academic and like personal sections in life? Mm, Academic-wise, I really just want to tackle that issue I mentioned just now about having that, not having that balance, balance between like, yeah, I don't know when to fully study and I don't know when to fully rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm always just stuck in this weird limbo of being in between that. But that's just academic-wise. I just want to be able to work hard enough that I feel happy with myself. But I don't want to overwork myself yeah. again, you know? I've been through that. I don't want to do that again. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And personal-wise, I just... I think I just want to be more at peace, you know? Like, throughout my life so far... I'm talking about my life, my time. I live so long, again. <laughs> yeah, throughout my life so far... Um, I feel like I've been through a lot, but at the end of the day, I know there's a lot more to come. So I just want to be able to feel at peace when it's possible, you know? Since now that I look back, there are some moments where I was so stressed, but I think about it and I'm like, huh, that could have been a really good time if I just relaxed, you know? Like for example, like Form 4, form, early Form 5. Maybe even late form five. I was so busy stressing about everything that was to come next. But thinking about it, if I just told myself, calm down, have fun, live in the moment, it would have been so nice, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like a lot of us tend to like over-focus on academics and like achieving this, achieving that, that we just forget to live in the moment. Can I... Go a bit off to the tangent. We're talking about fear of failure, right? But then, can I go back to the moment where you were bullied? Like that moment. Yeah. What was the harshest comment you've ever received? Hmm. This I'm gonna have to dip, dig deep into my memories for this because I've kind of like blocked it off. Um. This probably isn't the worst. Because I've probably forgotten about the worst because I tend to do this thing to myself where I forget about the worst parts of what happened to me. So I completely don't remember the times when I was sick, you know, like at all. I like the reason why I'm a bit able to treat about it is because like I have pictures and my mom tells me, but I literally don't remember it. My brain has like blocked that part of my brain. Yeah, but um, I think probably... I mean, I don't look that normal in like a kebangsaan setting. I mean, especially like the sekolah kebangsaan place that I went to, everyone's like fully Malay. And I'm like mixed. Um, I, my grandfather is Pakistani. But 
I, I don't necessarily think I look that mixed, but when I'm compared to other people, it's kind of obvious. So over there, like people, I remember them calling me the K-word. Um, they, they were just really confused by the fact that I was like, talking like, hey, how are you? You know, like, like just, I don't know. I was just very lost and people took advantage of that. You know, they would make me do things I didn't want to do, things like that. I don't remember any of it. <laughs> yeah. So, like, do you think that was what set you apart from other people? What causes you caused you to be like excluded from that? Mm, I honestly think it was less of my appearance and more of just the way I was. You know, just the way, just the fact that I spoke differently, the fact that I carried myself differently. Things like that, you know. I mean, I feel like people automatically assumed, especially back then, that since I only spoke English and didn't speak Malay, there's this weird correlation in Malaysia to being able to speak Malay and being faithful to oh. your religion and stuff like that. So people immediately just joined that up together. They saw me only being able to speak English and they thought, whoa, she is not religious at all. She is haram, you know, in 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 whole. She's a haram person. You're going to hell, you know. And I was like, bro, what, what do you? Yeah, you know. I mean, I'm obviously still trying to like find my way, but I feel like everyone is, you know. It's a path that we all have to take, and it's just not anyone else's place to talk about it, you know. Like everyone has their own pace and their own progress. Yeah. And what you see other people do, there may be things that they you you're not seeing, and vice versa. You know, for other people. Okay. Do you think like social media plays a role in in making us feel like we have to fit in? Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, I feel like. Hmm. How do I explain this? You know the thing about KY is like if you're resting and if you're chilling, this kind of brings me back to my problem just now of not being able to rest and chill. It's also because of social media because I'm resting, I go on Instagram, go to stories and people are studying and I'm like, oh, I should be studying, you know? Meanwhile, I don't know if they just finished resting or things like that. You know, you never know through social media. You don't know the whole story. You only see the face of what people want to show, which is fine, you know? Social media can be a way to up your confidence, to just express yourself. But at the same time, if someone else views it, it can be detrimental to them if they don't have the right mindset. And I don't have the right mindset. So, yeah. But I'm working on it. <laughs> so are you limiting social media? Mm, no. I'm trying to not... Because at the end of the day, we're always going to get some sort of output that doesn't please us. So I think the best way to go about it is just changing your own mindset and changing your, the way you view things, you know? Yeah. Do you have any advice for people who want to change their mindset? Um, not really. <laughs> okay, how, how wait. You? Personally? Uh, that's the thing. That's why I can't give advice because I'm personally working on it right now. I don't know what works yet, you know. 
But I think a really good way for me so far that's been kind of helping is just having friends around you that just support you and validate you for like, they, they know the efforts that you do. So they'll validate you for that. And I feel like that's really helpful because sometimes like if you ask someone that's distant, not so close to you, if you ask them like, should I be studying right now? They'll be like, mm, maybe, I mean, you know, but if someone who's close to you, they know that, for example, you did a lot of work just now or you're like really mentally tired and they can tell, then they'll be like, take a break and study when you're ready for it, you know, or just I'm, I'm talking about studying right now, but this really just applies to anything in life. Just having people who you trust and who have a close relationship to you is just really helpful, you know. So they know the science of when you're feeling burnt out and you know the science of when they're feeling burnt out and it's like a collaborative relationship. Friends, like, would you think like, do you have a big social circle or like just a small one? This is actually funny. I, I am quite a talkative person and <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> I mean, uh, I am quite a talkative person and I find it easy to talk to new people, but I find it extremely hard to maintain friendships with people, you know? Like, I I have, in that sense, I have a super duper duper du small social circle. There are only just a few people that I can comfortably talk to, comfortably be around and just, like, you know, completely let loose. But the other people... They're just, I have, mm, how do I explain this? Millions of acquaintances, but like out of those millions, I have like 10. Yes. Yeah. But I feel like that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. You know? I feel like to all my experiences of having like big friends and people talk about me, talking about me behind my back, I feel like having a close social circle is just really where it's at, you know? <laughs> I've been doing that every year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, wait. I think um, having a small social circle can actually... It is really helpful, but there are times, I must admit, where I do feel kind of lonely. Because, like, for example, for those friends in the social circle, they might have a larger social circle, you know? They have people that they have to attend to as well. And that's fine. That's totally fine. Everyone has their own circles, their own friends. And there shouldn't be this sort of mm, pressure onto a friend for being another friend. Like, how do I explain this? Like, if you're friends with someone and they don't talk to you for a long time, I feel like that isn't something to hold against them. You know, I have a lot of friends where I haven't talked to them in ages, but we're still, if we meet, we're as close as sisters. Yeah. But at the same time, there are times where I do feel lonely because sometimes those people in my small social circle can go off with their own friends. And at that point, I'll be alone. But I can't talk about you, right? Oh, if you're okay with it. I mean, I'm okay with it, but are they okay with it? I hope um, you watch this. <laughs> Them. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, yeah, I feel like at those moments where my small amount of friends go off with other people, 
that's when I'm really thankful for the relationships that I have made, more specifically the relationship I have made with someone, you know, someone special and really dear to my heart. So he really just helps keep me grounded, reminds me that no matter how it may seem that I'm alone, I am never alone and that there is always someone rooting for me. So I'm just really thankful to have someone like that in my life. You've been talking a lot about having supporters in our lives play like, a big role to help us like encourage our, and motivate us, right? So you think that for some people, I think that they, they don't have those people in their lives, right? Yeah. What, what do you think could help those people? Mm, it depends on their situation, really, because if it's a situation where they did have supporters and the supporters left, that's something to look at themselves for, you know? I mean, but if it's just a situation where they're going into like a new place and they just don't know people, then I think just going out of your comfort zone a bit and getting to know people is a really good way to start. And for me personally, I'm not that good at that. So what I personally do is I try to find mutual friends. For example, people that I already know from an earlier point in my life who knows this person, who knows this person, who knows this person. So I try to get to know that person more so that that person can introduce me to more people, you know. It's like a tactical way to go around <laughs> it. But yeah, I mean, if none of that is possible and you just don't have supporters simply out of circumstantial reasons, then I think there's just really no way about it. I mean, in Form 3, during that whole sickness thing that I previously mentioned, there was a point where I just really felt very, very, very alone because at that point, a lot of my friends weren't talking to me because of other reasons. I mean, a lot of them felt neglected because I really wasn't speaking to many people. You know, I was sick, so I didn't really have the time or energy to talk to people. So at that point, yes, I did feel like I had no supporters. But if it's just a period of time where you feel like you have no supporters, you just have to have faith that that period of time will eventually pass and if you eventually put yourself out there and those bad circumstances also go away then you will be able to find the people that match up with you because there are so many people in this world there is definitely people who will sync up with you you're so inspirational thanks yeah. to wrap up this episode could you give one phrase that encapsulates your whole journey okay i think the phrase that encapsulates my whole journey from whatever I told you just now is that I'm constantly trying to find the light at the end of the tunnel because I mean that's not really a phrase if I really elaborate on it right should I just say the phrase okay constantly changing the light at the end of the tunnel that's the phrase okay yeah because I feel like no matter what I go through and however well I overcome it for example, my sickness or the whole SPM process or my bullying phase or all of that. After you overcome it, there's always something next to come and it will never end until you die, which may be demotivating. But at the end of the day, that light at the end of the tunnel is just worth it. You know, constantly trying to find peace is just never something you will regret. Yeah. I'm finishing that in the
much, Azalia, for being our guest today. Thank you. We need to learn a lot from you. Hey, okay. I learned okay. a lot. That's not a good reply. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you say yes now? Yay! <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Are you starting? Let's do that at the end. Yeah. Is that gonna be our thumbnail? <laughs> no. Wait, 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 wait. Oh man, I'm gonna look so.